Welcome to the second Boise Dev First podcast. This month, we're talking to Chase Erkins of Lee and Associates. Kind of an interesting story. He started out in commercial real estate here in the Valley when things were not so great and has really seen the boom here in the last few years. We talk about some of the deals that he's done and the growth that he's seen and hear about his story. If you've got a suggestion for one of these podcasts, you can send it to me, Don at BoiseDev.com, and we'll see if we can set it up. But right now, here's our second episode with Chase Erkins. You are listening to the Boise Dev Podcast. Development, growth, and exclusive interviews from Idaho's number one business news site, boisedev.com. Thanks for spending some time. Yeah. So Chase, tell me a little bit about you and what brought you into commercial real estate. All right. Um, I guess a little bit about me. I'm born and raised in Idaho, really small town of 300 people in an amazing town called Bliss. <laughs> and yes, it's blissful. So, uh, that was down by Twin Falls, you know, Hagerman Valley area. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, grew up there doing the you know, farming thing with my family and then ended up uh, going to school at the University of Idaho. So needed to be in state, but, you know, far enough away to <laughs> make things a little bit different, you know. Have some independence. Yeah, <laughs> can't go home and do the laundry every weekend, that right. kind of thing. So, right. yeah. Um, yeah, so went up there, and uh, after graduation, uh, I started working at a bank, at Chase Bank up there, and stayed for another three and a half years. So when people ask me how long I was in Moscow, I say from, uh, you know, 04 to, you know, the middle of 12, and they're like, oh, well, this guy doesn't, <laughs> not the sharpest tool in the shed, but, <laughs> yeah, so no, I, I worked there a lot. So. so we've talked about this before. You, yeah. you, your name is Chase, and you worked at Chase Bank. That had to be a little interesting sometimes. Yeah, yeah. People uh, weren't really sure when they called in who they were actually talking to because they just thought that I said the name of the bank. So yeah, caused a little confusion. Yeah, I just told them I was undercover boss and I was there to make sure that the bank was running smooth in <laughs> Moscow, Idaho. So. Let's see. That's a that's a very late two thousands reference too. Right? That's true. Good point. <laughs> so you uh, you did that for quite a while. And you left school and moved down to Boise. Is it was that kind of the progression? Yeah. Uh, after you know the first part of 2012, I uh, was getting a little little tired of Moscow. You can only stay up there for so long, right. and uh, uh, I'll you know say maintain a liver, but that probably is the best <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> right, right. Um, so yeah, uh, moved down here, and I thought working at the bank would uh, you know be different in the big city of Boise, and it wasn't. It was, right. it was the same thing, so which was fine, but um, I was ready for something else. So I ended up, uh, you know, starting to look for other opportunities, and I had gotten my, uh, you know, real estate license when I was eighteen, okay. but just didn't use it, and decided that might be something to get back into. And, you know, go go take the class again. Um, my roommate said, "Have you ever uh, thought about commercial real estate?" I think. I didn't know what commercial real estate was. So <laughs> like said, no. selling TV commercials or something. <laughs> right. I was like, I don't know. Um, what's that? He's like, well, here, go meet this guy. So I uh, called up a guy that he had met the day before at a networking event and went and had coffee with him. And uh, that ended up being my future broker. Wow. So, you know, after a quick coffee meeting, you know, put my two weeks notice in, took a two week class and then uh, kind of jumped right in. 
Wow. So that's how I got into commercial. So you, you got into commercial. Was that with your current firm or is that a different firm? No, same firm. So Study and associates the whole time. Yeah. You didn't have to change your name to Lee, right? They didn't no. require that. Not this time. <laughs> there was already a guy that had the name Lee, so it was good. <laughs> so he gets the confusion. <laughs> yeah. So you start there and, and tell me about your first deal. Like what, what was that and how'd that come together and how'd that process go? Oh, man. Uh, testing your memory here. Right, I know. So it's been about seven years now, and you know, I, my first deal that I actually got paid on was uh, to help my broker do what's called a broker's opinion of value. So where you put together, uh, you know, kind of like an appraisal, but not as in depth as an actual appraisal, and. I would go and get all this uh, information together on a building and then take it to him and kind of walk through every step. I didn't really know what I was doing, so he kind of had to redo the entire thing, but it was nice enough to share half the fee. So, (laughs) yeah, so that was the first thing that I got paid on. yeah, so not not actually a real transaction, but in 2012, transactions were uh, a lot different than they are these days. I mean, people who had been in the industry for 15, 20 years and had done large deals were doing, you know, small 300 square foot leases at that time. Yeah. So, and month to month rather than, you know, the five, 10 year deals that are going on now. So quite a bit different. So you started at a really austere time when the economy was tight. Boise was not growing. I think they actually, I don't know the growth rate actually really ever stopped. It was, it was very minimal. And now you're in a time where it seems like there's something big every day in every in every brokerage in town, right? Not, I mean, you look at the homepage of Boise Dev some days, and you're like, "That all just happened today, right?" So you're in a booming, you're in a booming time. Yeah. How do you think that those early days and months of your career have shaped the kind of broker you are now? Those would be the days that were called character builders. Yeah. Right. So. Um, I did a lot of leases, not many sales at that time. And as I was going to do the leases with the companies, they would like to do a lease for, you know, three months, six months, month to month. And they would say, well, we're not sure if we're going to be in business next month. So we don't want to commit to a lot of things. Right. Um, So that was pretty interesting. And, you know, as a as a broker, you, you don't make any money doing month-to-month leases, which was okay. I learned a lot, uh, but it's pretty hard to start up a business that way. Right. Um, but I learned a ton, you know, from doing these small deals. Um, it's the same same kind of a transaction as you go through it. And even though there wasn't any money in it, the knowledge that I was gaining, the interactions I was getting with landlords and tenants, you know, it was uh, something that really helped set the foundation. You know, and I, I learned at that time to get out and network and meet a lot of people um, because I didn't have a whole lot going on and because the market wasn't crazy like it is now. I think that set me up to kind of, you know, get a wide base and meet a lot of people that way. Uh, so from there, it has set me up to continue to where, you know, I, I network a lot, but now it's a lot more, uh, you know, intentionality when I do deals and networking to me is something that's more maybe fun now instead of trying to, you know, get a lot of leads generated out of. So you are present in town. I think just about any event I go to, I can count on seeing you or, or your, or your wife, Erin, you guys are both obviously really, um, big presences in the community in downtown Boise community. How do you think that that sort of helps serve what you're trying to do, even though you say it's for fun, like that presence, what, how do you think that that helps you and what you're building? 
Uh, well, I, I think it helps a lot. Um, you know, my wife has been with the uh, Boise Chamber of Commerce coming up on 13 years oh, now. Wow. So, yeah. So she's pretty well known from that. And, uh, you know, I've only been in Boise for about seven years now. But the amount of networking I've done has really helped lay that good foundation so that when people... You know, hopefully, when people think about doing something in commercial real estate, at least my name's in the mix. Sure. Um, I guess an example of that was yesterday. I was uh, at work and a notification popped up in my email from Facebook saying, you've been tagged by this person. So I clicked on it and it was somebody saying, hey, we need office space in downtown. Um, do you know anything? So they had put my name on there to reach back out to that person. So um, I guess that's kind of a helpful testament to you know, saying that somebody thought about me when this issue came up and the concern about commercial real estate. Okay. So, yeah. So we'll swing back and talk about kind of some of the current things happening in a minute, but um, where do you hope to take this? What's your goal and where do you see yourself, not to sound like a job interview, where do you see <laughs> hope to see yourself in a few years and, and where does your growth take you? Well, I don't intend to ever have a job interview again, so that kind of answers part of it. Um, when when I got into this, uh, after six months, it was pretty challenging, and you know, you don't really make a lot of money, so you have these, thing, you know, thoughts pop into your head like, "What am I doing? You know, was this the right move? Does this make sense?" And uh, even back then, I, I enjoyed what I was doing so much that being able to talk with different people every day and have something new and interesting that, uh, you know, I just decided that this is what I am doing forever. I am committed. And even though my bank account was going backwards, right. I said, you know, I'll figure this out. Right. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll be here, you know, I don't know if many people ever actually do retire from real estate. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe 65, I'll still be doing it, but hopefully more so for me. Yeah. My grandfather, who was in commercial real estate, um, he died in the late 90s. He was 74. He was working on a deal about a month before he passed away. So, yeah. I mean, I think that the, it's, if it's in your blood, you just keep doing it until you're ready to meet your maker, right? That's exactly right. It, you know, you get a kind of a high from it, you know, putting together the next deal and, you know, trying to make... Uh, you know, challenging things happen, help people accomplish something that they want, you know, whether it be them buying their first building for their business or, you know, leasing their first space. Or if you're working with an investor who, you know, maybe they've worked for their entire life and they want to figure out how to gain some, you know, real wealth through commercial real estate that they can then pass on to their kids and create generational wealth. I mean, mm -hmm. That's kind of the idea. And, you know, there's a lot of that generational wealth um, passing going on right now. So it's a pretty exciting time to be helping people um, who have built up their portfolio, help them transfer, uh, you know, that portfolio onto their kids or grandkids, you know, whatever their case may be. Um, but that's happening a lot at this point. So. so you talk about a high, a high when you close a deal. And I imagine you've closed, how many do you think? Triple digits at this point? Um, Four digits, two digits? I mean, you know, I've probably got... 550 you know i'll know a lot more i'm actually counting them all up right oh, now like it's on my computer as we speak fine. yeah doing a little bit of planning um but yeah over the seven years i mean i've i've done quite a few deals in that amount of time you yeah. know varying levels of you know small large medium deals but yeah probably about 550 if i go back and think about it so you talk about the high of closing that deal yeah. tell us about something that you got you were really excited to see happen, maybe something somebody knows about or maybe something people haven't heard so much about. 
what do you think in that portfolio of 500 plus deals is really kind of a shining star for you? Here's one that I I remember pretty vividly, and uh, I think a lot of it was because of the amount of challenge there was, but um, I had gotten a call one day on an investment property that I had, and it turned out you know, that it wasn't a good fit for the buyer and what they wanted to accomplish. But as I was talking to that buyer, um, got to know a little bit more about him and what his what his goals were, what he wanted to accomplish with you know, buying an investment property. You know, he had uh, he was pretty successful in business, and he had been in the insurance industry for a little over twenty years. And you know, through that, you know, big corporate insurance, not you know, um, running his own one. Um, but he had built up a big retirement account. So he he had heard something that you could take the money in your retirement account and then self-direct that retirement account to buy a commercial property or, you know, a property in general, but commercial is what he was looking at. And uh, that was about the extent that he knew about it. And I... I'm a generalist in real estate, which means that I don't specify in you know, office, retail, industrial, whatever. I, I like all of it, and I'm constantly learning the different things, making sure that I keep up with it. And I had listened uh, to multiple podcasts on self-directed IRAs, and there's a town, or there's a, uh, there's a company here in town that specializes in that, and there's not a lot of them throughout the United States, so it's kind of unique that they have a presence in Boise, Idaho. Is this, is this guidance? Is this the... Uh, Mountain West IRA. Mountain, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So I had gone to a couple of their trainings, and, you know, I, I knew a lot more about it than him, but I'd never done a deal like that before. Right. But by being on the phone with him and talking through him, asking him the questions that I knew made sense to ask, he, uh, he decided that he didn't know those questions, but he asked me if I could help him with it. Okay. Um, so, you know, long story short, we, we ended up finding a property, a single tenant, triple net property here in Idaho. And so just for people who maybe aren't, and that's okay, just for, who, for people who aren't used to the jargon, tell us what that means. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. There is a lot of jargon yeah, in right? commercial yeah. estate. Yeah. And I, I think that's because it gives us some job security if we <laughs> keep changing things up, right? Yeah. And then the guy trying to write Boise Dev is like, so, okay, I got to figure this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right? Um, so a single tenant, triple net property is going to be a lot of your Walgreens, Rite Aids, uh, Taco Bells, KFCs, you know, those ones where the tenant uh, takes care of the entire property themselves okay. and you as the investor get what we call mailbox money. So a check just shows up in your mailbox. Well, we don't use mailboxes anymore, right, right, but it's right, in your right. bank account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the term's still around. Um, so that's what he was looking for. He was still, you know, very actively working in his insurance, uh, you know, company. And, but he had, you know, this big chunk of money just sitting there in the stock market. And this was 2016. And he was kind of starting to think, you know, maybe it's a good idea to, you know, take some chips out of the stock market and move it over here into some real estate. So we went through and we found this property and got it under contract. And, uh, it happened to be a time where, you know, we had, I think, a 35-day due diligence to go through and make sure this was a good, sound property that made sense for him. The plumbing's good, and the, there's no encumbrances on the property, and no anything problematic, that kind of thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, this was a brand new build it was one year old right so wasn't really even an issue yeah, yeah exactly um but we had to do some environmental things but the the real challenge was that he was uh doing work trips for like 28 out of the 35 days yeah so getting him pinned down was um challenge <laughs> uh 
But we ended up, you know, getting through it, working through it, and I helped him get financing on the rest of the property, which with a self-directed IRA is very challenging because you have to use non-recourse loans, meaning he couldn't personally guarantee the loan, and banks did not really like that idea. Yeah. But uh, I ended up getting him set up and found a lender that would do that. And at the end of about, we had more time for financing than 35 days, but uh, we ended up pulling it off after about 65 days and he's happy the property is doing amazing and uh, you know he's almost ready to buy another one through the same method so the Boise Dev podcast is brought to you by anchor anchor is a free platform for podcasts like this one it allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer you can even add in songs from Spotify to help spice up those episodes Anchor will make sure that your podcast is distributed pretty much everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with an ad like this. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay. So we've talked about where you've been. We've talked about where you're going and some of your successes. Let's let's dive in and chat a little bit about what you see coming up here in the near term, maybe some things that you're you're excited about, um, and then we can chat about what's going to happen long-term around Boise. So we'll start with now. What What is exciting you about what's happening in the market, and what do you see soon? What can people look forward to? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot to be excited about in Boise. You know, as you're posting every day, yeah. there's something new that's going on all over. Um, whether it be a new company moving to town or you know, a new building being built or even a parking garage, right? You know, um, there's, there's a lot of activity that's going on. And I, I think it's just going to keep going, which, I mean, that's the hope, right? You know, barring some catastrophic event or right. government failure. <laughs> um, you know, I think things are looking pretty good for Boise. Uh, as far as, you know, one single event that's exciting, um, or, you know, one single company that's exciting, I don't, I can't pinpoint anything that you haven't already posted on your site. Yeah, <laughs> that, you're, that you're not under, right? Yeah, exactly, that I can talk about. Yeah, so, well, let's, let's talk about something general. Um, we've seen some uh, out-of-state Firms uh, take an increasing interest in Boise. Mm-hmm. Um, one I know you were involved with. So uh, Hendricks Commercial Properties has snapped up Bodo and the Owyhee, Jefferson. You've seen Barclay Holdings out of uh, Phoenix that, that have purchased the old old spaghetti factory building. They purchased some land out uh, in Meridian for a uh, cash carry. Uh, that story is actually not even on Boise Dev yet. We'll see if that <laughs> happens before this podcast posts. But, um, so you've seen these people come in from out of state and take a big interest in. Boise. Why do you think that is, and, and what do you think that they're hoping to accomplish? Yeah, I think there's you know, a lot of reasons. The fundamentals look good in Boise, and you know, they typically have in the past, where it's kind of a safe haven. You know, if you go and you look at a building in you know, like downtown San Francisco, New York, something along those lines, you can see that you know it's kind of dirty around it. The building might be tagged with graffiti, you know, and it's it's just not a 
it's not safe, you know, right. like what we see here in Boise. Um, so that attracts a lot of people. They like to invest here because then they get to make a trip up here mm-hmm. to look at their property and, write, that off, and yeah. write it off. Yeah. And they get to enjoy, you know, the town. They get to go to Sun Valley or McCall, you know, and hang out. Um, so that's one thing that attracts a lot too. But, you know, just the fundamentals of growth that we have, um, you know, everybody moving here is good for real estate, right? You're going to need more rooftops, um, whether it be single family or multi family coming in, you get more rooftops, then the retail is going to follow that. And more, uh, you know, more people there, more businesses that are moving in creates more jobs. So all of those are just good for building up the strong fundamentals. And as long as fundamentals are good and people are buying correctly, you know, not doing it on, uh, you know, speculation, then I think our market is just going to keep moving along fairly insulated um, from what happens in some of these larger metros that are starting to slow down. So we will have, you know, some effect by that, obviously, Um, you know, if somebody can't sell their house in, you know, one of the coastal areas and move here and buy two or three, we'll see some slowdown. But um, even when and if that slows down, we should still be moving along well because there's just so much demand that's pent up. So, so you probably feel this a little bit too, this natural tension. I know when I'm writing stories, I, I think a lot about um, pretty significant concern people have about growth. Boise State actually surveyed the Valley and just about everybody said, yeah, it's growing a little fast. Mm-hmm. Um, growth is good for commercial real estate in general. It's good for a lot of general business, but people are taking pause because it's driving up housing costs and it's causing some challenges with transit and traffic and, and congestion and those types of things. And people are worried about their quality of life. You play a big role, your industry, not just you, it's not all on you, but you play a big role in how Boise grows in a way that helps everybody kind of move up together. What do you think that commercial real estate can do to help ensure that the Valley grows in a way that's sustainable and that people feel like, okay, we're growing at a rate that makes sense for where we are? Yeah. Well, I don't think it's any secret that, um, you know, uh, people as a whole are uh, concerned with change. Sure. You know, it's, um, it's unknown, right? Yeah. So that's always going to be something that we have to have to, you know, battle with, you know, doing any new projects in the area. Um, you know, nimbyism is a very real thing. Yeah. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of good that will come out of it. And there's a lot of change that does need to happen to move us from, you know, what's kind of been a, a smaller metro to um, a well-run and uh, efficient metro. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we're pretty spread out in our valley with, you know, 50,000, you know, office workers a day coming into downtown Boise from Meridian, you know, Nampa, Caldwell, right? So that congestion that's coming in at 8 and leaving at 5 is something that we need to well, really work on, you know, there's definitely some challenges with funding and how that works. Um, but the way that we can help in commercial real estate control that is by continuing to work for higher density. Um, and you know, this is my opinion, I guess, sure. how this yeah, works, yeah. but yeah. you know, if we get higher density and starting in the downtown core and moving out, then we can build out our public transit around those as well. Right. So if we, have more multifamily here. People don't have to drive as much. They can, you know, walk or hop in an Uber or, you know, get on a scooter now, right? Right. And get downtown or around downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, 
The real thing that we need to do, though, is figure out how to get out of our single occupancy vehicles. You know, of those 50,000 people that are coming downtown every day, 42,000 probably actually need to figure out an alternative mode. You know, 8,000 people might need their cars because they have to hop in multiple times a day and, you know, drive around down. And most of those are in cells, mm-hmm. right? But if the 42,000 people were to take, uh, you know, an HOV lane that doesn't exist yet, um, or, you know, get in a red, but a red van, um, or commuter ride. Yeah. Commuter ride. Yeah. Hop on public transit, you know, that would take a lot of the vehicles off the road, which will start to relieve the congestion right away. We're all pretty attached to our uh, cars. You know, we live in a, you know, somewhat rural thing here in Boise and definitely in the state of Idaho. Um, But if we hop into a car with somebody else in our subdivision and come into downtown, well, that just took one car off the road. And if we even did that three days a week, you know, you know, a couple of the other days you had to do errands or you had a doctor's appointment or something like that, that would relieve a lot of the congestion out there. So, so we've got some big projects that are on deck in the downtown area and uh, a lot of them, frankly, are anchored by parking. Um, and it's, we don't need to talk about anybody's development in, in specific, but you just see a lot of these developments with a lot of parking. Yeah. And I think they think they're chasing demand and they probably are. Um, what role do you think that that plays? I talked to, to one of the larger developers here in town a few uh, weeks ago, and I'm sure you can figure out who it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> and one of the things he said is every project we do starts and ends with parking. And where are we going to put these cars? So how do you balance that? How do we actually come up with a solution that helps people get out of cars when the developers in a lot of ways are building projects anchored by cars because they think that's what it needs to be successful? How, how do you get us to move? Like, what what does that look like? Yeah, that's a good question. Just solve it, Chase. I know that's an easy question, right? <laughs> I, I will lay out the master plan <laughs> right, and then right, we just right. got to go with it. Yeah. So You'll be the next Jane Jacobs, you know? You'll just be famous for your solution. <laughs> Perfect. Hopefully I get the right one. Um, yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, earlier on in my career when I was starting to do this, I had one uh, building owner said, um, this was actually passed down to him by his father. Any building that you buy, make sure you have enough parking. If you're not sure what enough parking is, you need more. So that was one thing that he kind of lived by. If he was going to buy an office building and they want it to be four parking spots per thousand square feet of building, he wanted it to be five parking spots per thousand square feet. Not necessarily the most efficient. You end up paying more for dirt that really isn't bringing you any income. But he was of the mind that if you did that, then your tenants will be happier and they won't have they won't be leaving you um, because of a parking issue at least, right? Um, so that was an interesting philosophy for me. You know, that was 2014 or 15. You know, but as I started to move more into downtown and office and what that all looked like, you know, I I agree that parking is important and your retailers, your office, everybody is going to be concerned about it for their employees and. Um, frankly, we've been spoiled in Boise and in Idaho for a long time, um, and it's just now becoming an issue. You know, for the past you know four years, and it's just going to get worse, really, um, as we continue to grow. So, when these developers are saying it starts with parking, and you know, where are we going to put all of these cars? I think it's still kind of a maybe an older mentality. Um, 
but they're, they're doing it from experience because their tenants keep asking for it. If we are able to switch the mentality of the people that at least, you know, downtown are, you know, I'm going to live, work and play here. Do I really need to have that second car? Do I really want to pay insurance on it and put gas in it so it just parks there? Or am I going to be in this downtown bubble and I can walk around and get to where I need to go? You know, if if that continues to be what I think is going to be, you know, is a trend, then we can start to change the way that we've developed. But right now it's kind of that development of the past. Have to have a place to park this, right? Um, the solution is probably to make it too expensive to park. Yeah. I mean, parking rates are going to go up here again soon, um, either in, uh, well, one of these next two sessions. Um, you know, the public parking, I'm guessing, <laughs> is going to go up. And the private parking um, has already gone up more. I, I think it's fair to say that, that both the city and CCDC are looking at how do they drive the parking rates up. And I don't yeah. think it's... Um, any big surprise that we're going to see it probably this calendar year, maybe next, and then probably yeah. continuing after that um, as they see uh, a push on the demand. I mean, it's a supply and demand business, right? Parking yeah. is just like apples at the store. And there's still a wait list on many of the uh, city and C- you know CCDC's parking lots. So um, just following basic economics, that means, you know, raise the price. Yeah. So, and it's uh, kind of a... I won't say who who uses this, but um, a certain person uses what they call a carrot and a stick method, right? So first you need to have the stick, which is the increase in the parking prices, and then the carrot is an alternative mode of transportation, which would be, you know, Valley Regional Transit or something, right, to get in here. So if we can fund Valley Regional Transit, actually, and make it so that they can be efficient, that would be okay to continue raising rates over here in parking lots and kind of get people to switch their uh, transportation method to something that is a little bit friendlier and you know easier to do that's not a single occupancy vehicle. So I, I, I work downtown and I uh, commute by my vehicle just about every day. Yep. Um, I, I live off the green belt so I'm hoping to start biking in uh, at least a couple times a week but when you chat with people who work downtown maybe they're, they're newly down here they worked here a while and they're paying for parking you have some major employers that subsidize a portion of it and so maybe they're paying 50 bucks and you mm-hmm. have um, there's a newer employer downtown that's paying full freight on the parking for people and, yeah, they are. and then you got people like me who I pay out of my own pocket and mm-hmm. that, that's okay it's part of the price of working down here um how do you how do you fit into that are you are you i mean are you parking are you driving in how are you kind of handling that i i take my single occupancy vehicle every day yeah um but i'm probably in and out of it six or seven times a day i don't think i could efficiently do my job without it unless i just focus downtown right right? but i uh, right after this i'm gonna be in meridian i was in caldwell two days ago um star last week i mean i i travel quite a bit uh I don't think I will ever be able to be one of those people that does that, um, that parks my car. So, um, unfortunately I'm just going to keep paying higher prices. Right. Um, but that's, that's part of my job. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, if I was able to, I would like to think that I would be okay with taking a parking ride, you know, park my car out in Meridian Caldwell where I lived and just hop on a bus and, you know, work my way into downtown that half an hour instead of sitting there behind the wheel. Um, I think it'd be more more efficient, 
with your day by by far. Get all those emails out of the inbox before you even get to your office. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, but yeah, no, I, I drive every day. Do you hear from a couple of years ago, Paylocity said, hey, we're going to come to downtown Boise. They set up a shop over here in CW Moore and they said they needed more space. And they were going to expand and mm-hmm. um, they never made a formal announcement on where downtown, but, but uh, I'm pretty sure they were looking at Pioneer Crossing. And then they said, mm, nope, we're going to Meridian. Yeah. And uh, Mayor DeVere was very excited about that. And others were excited about that. The city of Boise was pretty quiet about it. Mm-hmm. And my reporting indicates that they were worried about parking. They just thought, you know what? This isn't the right thing. Everybody's living off of that Eagle Road spine. We should be closer to it than downtown. Yeah. Do you worry that that can cause a problem for downtown because it's too hard to park, it's too hard to get here? You know, I, the Boise Guardian, who who writes about these things sometimes, said, said has a phrase that's like um, – it got so popular, nobody ever went there. Huh. Do you worry about that for downtown? Is there any risk of that? Um, no. I'm, yes, there's risk of companies moving outside of downtown because of parking. Mm-hmm. That's that's a very real thing. You know, an extra, you know, hundred and forty, uh, you know, soon to be two hundred dollars per spot, depending on where you park. Um, you know, if you have thirty employees that you're subsidizing for, that's that's a real cost. You know, you take that and you add it in with the downtown rents and, you know, you might be paying a significant portion of your, you know, gross income into that. So that is a reason for companies to look outside of downtown. Uh, What is kind of combating that and those companies moving out is people love to be downtown. There's a synergy down here that is great. You know, my office moved from Lake Harbor back in like 2013 to down here. And, you know, that first day, it was just an instant change in how the office felt, what it was. I mean, it was just vibrant. And you could walk out on 8th Street, run into, you know, clients and friends. And, you know, it was, it's just electrifying. So that is going to keep people wanting to be here. And uh, employees wanting to be in that environment is what's going to drive the employers. Now, Paylocity did pull out to 10 Mile, right? And they're in there. Um, but as I talk to their employees, they don't enjoy it as much. Right. So it's, you know, if that's where they want to work and stay long term, the employer needs to do a lot, and Paylocity has, to add yeah. amenities. Got a really nice space. Up yeah. There. yeah, yep. So they're, they're going to be doing a trade-off of putting more money into their space um, rather than into parking, you know, a one-time cost versus, you know, a monthly reoccurring fee. So, um, but yeah, there, there's a risk of that, but I think you see that along with most cycles, if you look back through history too, you know, where downtowns heat up and then companies start to go to the suburbs to be closer to where their employees are. And then as we contract and office spaces in our offices in downtown, say in a downturn, you know, the rates go down, companies will move back into downtown because they can afford it. Then at the end of their five, seven, 10 year lease, you know, the market has recovered the cycles up and then they can move back out. So, um, I, I don't see it as a real problem for downtown. You know, companies are going to keep coming in. Okay, so we've gone just a little over a half an hour here. And yeah. We want to keep everybody's time, listeners, and your time uh, precious. But I want to end on one thing, and that is tell me what project, one project that's out there, probably on the announced side of things, that you're most excited to see come to fruition. On the announced side yeah. of things? I mean, you can tell me about something that's not announced, so we're happy to take that, but we'll <laughs> stick to things that are getting in trouble on that. Yeah. Um, I guess 
ones that I would like, I want, I want to see what they do with is the, uh, the car T apartments that are popping in over here by, uh, you know, Winco over mm-hmm. here, um, from talking to the developers and looking at the plans and going through it. I'm just kind of excited to see what they come up with. Uh, they, they're saying that it's going to be much better amenities than what they put in their last project. And I, the last project looks you know, pretty good. Yeah. Um, so I want to see what they're doing to kind of make that more exciting and continue to push the rents and, you know, get what they need to over the $2.15 a foot range. Um, you know, and I, I want them to build, you know, a four bedroom, three bath apartment. So maybe I can move down here because right. I, I want to be in downtown, but yeah. it doesn't really work very well with the family. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that, that could be an exciting one. Okay. Chase Erkins with Lee & Associates. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Thanks, Don. How are we doing?